Isaiah 53, just a few moments here. Uh, I want to relate to you in a very simple way some of the thoughts that were presented to us yesterday, actually. Uh, Stephen Pollock brought the Word of God yesterday to us for prayer and directed our attention to Isaiah 53, verse 1. So I want to do the same and just in a more concise fashion give to you what was put before us. So Isaiah 53, I'll just read verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who hath believed? That's the three words we'll hang our thoughts on. Who hath believed? We always want to have a, or experience a positive response to our efforts to preach the Word, don't we? I mean, it takes courage to, to go to people and say, here, do you know about the Lord? Or to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, none of us do that without first feeling a little bit of, you know, the jitters or um, how's this going to go or how are they going to respond. We're never quite sure. And it's common to us all to feel that slight fear before we open our mouths. And then when we actually get to doing it, to sharing of course, we're wondering what's the response going to be. And it's great when we're surprised when someone responds in such a way and we go away thinking that, that was really, that was exactly what I needed to do because God has used that. They have, they have been made to think. They started to ask questions, inquire, and, you know, what, what is it that you're, uh, what do you mean by that or, or so on and so forth. It's, these are encouraging things when we actually overcome our fears. But often... We find that people aren't interested, don't we? We find that there isn't this interest that we might want. And the prophet here feels that when he says and asks, Who hath believed our report? It's as if no one hears. In fact, it's as if the prophet finally is coming to see that what was told him by God in Isaiah 6, that that they weren't going to hear, that this was going to be his experience, there was going to be a hardness in his ministry, that he is now coming to see that that in fact has been the case, that no one seems to respond. Well, despite that, let us think of a few heads here. First, there is a responsibility. There is a responsibility. that The fact that the report is given means there's a responsibility to bring that report. And if you go back to the previous chapter, you'll see how that is connected in Isaiah 52, verse 7, where you have this, I'm sure because it's quoted in the New Testament, you know it. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, or brings a good report, that publisheth peace, or is reporting of peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion, and so on. But you see this, this, this text where it is illustrating these, these, these messengers that are going, and they're, they're, they're bringing a report. They're bringing an announcement. Now, this is found in Romans 10. You may want to turn there, just in case you're not familiar because in Romans chapter 10, you'll, you'll find something interesting. Verse 15, 
it says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And on into verse 16, you find something interesting, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So the connection between Isaiah 53 verse 1 and chapter 52, where we read verse 7, is not something we're just kind of analyzing ourselves. Paul does the same thing. He pulls together the fact that these, these messengers with beautiful feet, that is, they're appreciated because of the message that they bring. They're coming, publishing this message, messengers of this glad tidings. And so he, he pulls together. It's like he, he cuts out from verse 8 to the end of chapter 52 and connects it with 53 verse 1. There are these who come bringing the glad tidings, but who's believed? Does anyone listen? Well, if that was the case for Isaiah, and evidently it was the case for Paul too, we see the apostles sometimes and we imagine this is constant success, but, but with all their labors there was a lot of rejection as well, especially among the Jews. So Paul knew this experience. He felt the, the, the prophet's experience of, of rejection. And the obvious implication is, too, that when Isaiah 52 talks about glad tidings and talks about who hath believed our report, and Paul takes from that, he's saying this is the gospel. Isaiah was bringing the gospel, and the gospel was not being believed. Just as we're bringing the gospel, and the gospel is not being believed. And there's this lament that the preacher feels, who's believed, Lord? Does anyone listen? Does anyone respond? But whatever the response is, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility just as I have a responsibility. You have to go. You have to go. I mean, <laughs> I know I've joked about this in various ways. Let me kind of jest about it again. You know, we, we spend a lot of time beautifying ourselves, but our, our feet probably aren't at the top of the pile when it comes to making ourselves beautiful. And maybe we get to a point in our lives where all our efforts to try and keep ourselves beautiful seem to be in vain anyway. Well, you can be in your 90s and preaching the gospel, and as far as God says, your feet are beautiful because you're still carrying the good news. And so be more concerned about God's assessment of your beauty than what you or the world might assess this is a glorious thing. This message that transformed your life and changed your eternal destination is something that you're to carry wherever you go. And yes, you're going to feel at times that it is all a waste and no one's listening, but you keep on going anyway. There's a responsibility. There's a report that must be told. Who hath believed? Well, let us not be uh, just overly concerned about all the results. Let us keep giving the report. But there is a reality, not only responsibility, but a reality. We're going to be rejected. We have to accept that. There, there, there will be an element of rejection that we will experience. And this text isn't quoted just in Romans chapter 10. It's also quoted by the Lord Jesus or in the context of his ministry in John chapter 12. You may want to turn there. But the remark given in John 12, and this is just before kind of the, the uh, leading up to the very end and the final week of, of his, his ministry. 
But in John 12, 37, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. This is the Jews. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so our Lord's ministry was met with this reality. Unbelief. The Jews would not believe, largely speaking. And as I've already mentioned, Paul uses the same text in Romans 10, and he's saying the same thing. People don't hear. They won't listen. It's in our age in which there is the, the, the plethora of, of megachurches, we, we begin to look at it purely on a measurement scale and, and we, we wonder, you know, we look at all, then all the small churches and we wonder, well, are they doing something wrong? Not necessarily. Now, I'm not the kind of person, I want to always avoid the idea that uh, small is the indicator of faithfulness. It's not necessarily. And that's something you have to avoid, that just because you're small, it's an indication you're faithful. That might not be the case at all. But it is a reality that there, the, the, the kind of message that is going on in a lot of these large churches, it's not the gospel. It just simply isn't. You, just, you have to listen. It depends how you identify the gospel, but often it's really not. And you only have to listen for a little while before you begin to realize it's not so much about what they're saying. You're not necessarily saying anything wrong. It's what they're leaving out. It's, it's the absence of crucial parts of the message, such as repentance. It's the changing of the language from sin to brokenness and things like that. You know, because something breaks, it, it, you weren't really at fault, were you? You know, if something breaks, it accidentally happened to it. And so we talk about we're broken. It's taking away responsibility, isn't it? The, the very language itself takes away responsibility. But when you say you're broken, then they feel, well, that's not something I can help. You say you sin, well, then that, that has a certain pointedness to it. And that's the language of Scripture. But it has been abandoned in many places. There is a reality. There will be rejection. And our Lord saw it, the prophet saw it, the apostles saw it as well. Then finally, there is a response. There is a response. Now, now here is where I was very encouraged, actually, because I, something was pointed out by Dr. Pollock that I had not noticed before. And if you don't have the New Testament open in John 12 or in Romans 10, it may be hard for you to, to, to see it. I would encourage you at least to keep it in mind. When it says, Who hath believed our report? And that gets quoted in the New Testament, something I did not ever notice, is how the quotations given in John 12 and Romans 10 have an additional word that change, or at least clarify, what it is that the prophet is saying here. Who hath believed our report? You read it in Isaiah 53, and you might think it's just like an internal lament right? Say, who hath believed? It's almost like the guy sits down and says, what's the point, right? <laughs> what's the point? Well, when someone 
engages in something and sits down and says, what's the point? It's just a, a kind of internal reflection on the apparent pointlessness of what they're doing. But it's not prayer. Whatever it is, it's not prayer. But whenever it's quoted in John 12 and Romans 10, it begins, Lord, who hath believed our report? Which changes it entirely, doesn't it? It means that the lament of the prophet is not just what's the point. It is a prayer. It is a response to the unbelief of his day. And that response isn't sitting down and saying, what's the point? The response is, though they keep on rejecting, God, I am going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on praying, Lord, who hath believed? The idea is, Lord, look, change their hearts. Change the response of men in our day. And this is why we continue to pray. We must continue to pray. Though we may say, who hath believed our report, we, we begin with it in terms of, Lord, who hath believed? It's not just talking among ourselves. No one's listening. It is, Lord, it seems as if no one's listening or no one's responding. And that's a very different thing. And so you're not sitting down after a day of instructing your children and it feels like one of those bash your head against the wall days and saying to yourself, what's the point? <laughs> but it's, Lord, are they hearing? Are they receiving? Are they understanding? Lord, is it in vain? It's different, isn't it? Even, even the lament of it, as soon as we're talking to the Lord instead of just reflecting in some despondent fashion, it's, it's different. We're, we're crying out to our God in the lament. He sees our broken hearts and hears our stammering cries. See, we can't do it, and that's, that's the reality. As in, we can't save them, we can't change them. And you have those people in your life and you have to not give up on them you know we were Melanie and I just heard news uh, there's been a number of sudden deaths in her family on her father's side our connections there an uncle and then an a cousin, I think it would be, um, to her dad. The, one, the, the, one, the uncle was older, but still wasn't expected. The woman was probably in her 50s. And not, no, no, nothing, at least that we've heard, of any expectation of her passing. Just, just gone. And Melanie's had the opportunity to drop a couple of seeds in to her dad. It's been 20 years, and you may say to yourself, what's the point? They'll never believe. Who hath believed? 
But we don't say that. We don't come to that point as if it's pointless. We say, Lord, Lord, why do they not believe? So we, we, we lament instead of grumble. Grumbling as if no one believes. It's not going to do anything. It's not Christian. It's not godly. But lamenting to God in sincere laments, like the prophet, is what we should do. The Lord is able. And so let us continue to believe him and trust him for those that are upon our hearts. May God help us. We're going to sing before we pray. Thank you.